Hey, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Stuff with Spencer. Um, Today, I'm going to show you a conversation that I had with my roommate and my best friend, Tyler. Um, And the reason why I'm bringing him in is because he's super knowledgeable. He's a lot like me. um, And uh, he has a lot of experience in the business world in general. So he actually used to work at the same company that I did in HR, HCM, HRS. Um, basically just business services like you know taxes and payroll and all that kind of stuff so he had uh, he's got about like five six years seven years experience in the space <clears throat> very knowledgeable um, was a consultant and was at one point or another the number one rep in the state of California so this guy knows what the hell he's talking about and I think he's gonna be a wealth of knowledge and insight for you guys Um, so I wanted to bring him on to talk about like what it's going to take to start a business in terms of all the paperwork, the licensing and all that kind of stuff that none of us probably really know about unless you already have a business. Um, also if you already have a business, I'm going to guarantee that you're going to get something out of this conversation that you didn't already know. Um, Tyler himself is starting his own business. Um, so we could talk about that a little bit at some other point, or maybe we'll get into it because I'm pre-recording this. Um, but without further ado, I give you my conversation with Tyler. Hey Tyler, what's up dude? Hey man. Thanks for coming on, I really appreciate it. Yeah dude, of course. (laughs) Um, so I wanted to talk to you today about, um, well, first I want to kind of go into your background and why I brought you on, but what I'm really hoping to get out of this conversation is more or less kind of a general overview of the back end stuff when it comes to starting a business. So like business license and DBA and all the paperwork and stuff that most people don't know, including me, like I have a general idea, but going about it and actually doing it is a totally different thing. Um, So I know you have a lot more knowledge on it than I do because of your background. So why don't you kind of just give a little like 30 second blurb about the experience you have in terms of like B2B selling and what you've learned in in the HCM space. Yeah, we we can talk about that. No problem. So just as a quick background, um, when I was 21, I started working for a uh, HR payroll retirement insurance company, Paychecks, right? We worked obviously for the same company for a little while. Yep at the same time and held a handful of positions uh, in that company from inside sales to outside sales to potential training opportunities, potential leadership opportunities. So was there for about five years and, um, you know, got a good amount of exposure to small businesses, medium sized businesses, you know, upwards of a thousand employees, um, you know, really focused on HR and payroll and technology there. And then over the past year, I've uh, been working for a company called Business Solver, which is basically an enterprise uh, benefits administration tech company where, where my focus is much more on um, large, you know, 2,500 and, and up sized businesses and providing benefits administration outsourcing solutions to them. So still uh, sales and consulting and still working with, with organizations with complex needs yeah if you will yeah 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 so that's exactly why i wanted to bring you on because the simple fact that you've talked to what would you say thousands of business owners oh yeah 
Yeah, thousands. <laughs> yeah, thousands of business owners, and then everybody in between, right? VPs of HR, HR directors, administrators, managers of benefits, payroll, anything HR. Yeah. Incline, you know, in anybody, and it's it's so funny too because I always say that. Um, now, right, having gone from dealing with a single employee sole prop up to a 10,000 employee, 20,000, like, uh, you know, Petco <laughs> S Corp, yeah. that it's, it's funny the how much, deal. yeah, it's funny how much like the C-suite, and if you don't know what a C-suite, that'd be anybody with a C-level title, so CEO, yeah. CEO, CFO, um, and higher ups do not deviate from a company of like 100 or 250 employees. Really? I mean, people are just people and obviously some of them are more qualified and more experienced wow. and more licensed That's a great point. Yeah, than, than others. But as far as, you know, people, it's they're, they're relatively the same. At, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, unless obviously they're elite and yeah. what they do. Yeah, so that is one of the main reasons why I wanted to bring you on specifically because you've just been exposed to it and have done it already. You've talked to all these people before. Yeah, sure. So then another big reason why I wanted to bring you on is I'm going to toot your horn for a second because you were so successful at Paychex specifically. Um, I mean, what that one year that you had, what were you, what were you ranked in the country? So yeah, the year, not the full year, but the year before that, um, I finished number, I was number five in the Western U.S. And the year before that, I was the number two rookie in the Western U.S. and number 16th in the country. Um, (laughs) And those are my first two years in that division of, which was the major markets division. So it was anywhere between... uh, Companies between 50 and 1,000 sometimes. We had clients that were like a little bit larger than that. But, um, you know, basically going out and finding new business, upselling, and and obviously there's some account management in there, even though they weren't paying us to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, (laughs) in demoing and and having a complex sales process with those folks and and everything like that. But yeah, that was that. And then there was, you know, other accolades and and special programs and things that they had asked me to do there. And again, in terms of like national uh, training, um, leadership during and after. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So like just you being so exposed is why I think you can bring a lot of value to anyone listening. Um, so that's a little background about you. So I want to move right into it. So um, first of all, I know you and I were talking before we started recording about this, but like this is more like what I want out of you and the, out of this conversation is more just your subjective opinion, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because um, I don't want to have anything that I put out in my content be about like what I think you should do. It's more just as like this is what I think you make your own decision. Yeah, of course. But I think you would agree with that. All right, perfect. So, yeah. Um, so, first of all, since you've just been so exposed to the large and small and you've been working B2B for so long, um, what are some of, let's just go with like, what are some of the most common mistakes you see a really, really, really young business owner make that you, like from your perspective as someone who's like a B2B salesman that you've run into. Yeah, I mean, well, so let's preface this also. I, I did spend a year and a half before doing major markets in, in small business consultation, which is probably going to apply to more people listening yeah. to this who are, who are not running you know, companies with over 50 people. But what I saw over you know, the past six years or so, people who, who separated, I don't even say young versus, versus uh, you know, newer versus older business owners, but people who were successful and growing or profitable versus people that were not. And of course, it's always hard to tell somebody if they're profitable or not because you're not looking at their, uh, you know, their balance sheets. So you, yeah. you don't really know. You just you get the sense for and if they have cash flow and things like that. Right, exactly. Um, <clears throat> was was real i mean how it was how open minded and how willing they were to listen over the over period of time so right a lot of business owners are good at one or a couple things maybe it's producing that product using that software 
um, whatever, you know, because there's so many different industries, they were very good at one thing and not so good at a lot of things. Yep. And so they would play to their strengths, which I think everybody should do, Absolutely. but they were not aware of their weaknesses. <clears throat> and a lot of the times when they're not aware of their weaknesses or they're not comfortable with their weaknesses, they weren't willing to focus on and address those things. So for example, if they didn't know about payroll and tax compliance and HR and things like that, they would keep it in house and they would pay, you know, we'd call her payroll Betty. Yeah. Um, you know, $40,000 a year, you know, not this, not to stereotype this 70 year old lady yeah. who had been doing this all her life. <laughs> she really wasn't an asset to the company. Um, paying her $40,000 a year when they could have outsourced pretty much anything, right? Like with a payroll, like an ADP or a paycheck or any of these, these processes, um, streamlined them, integrated them for, you know, a fraction of that yeah. 2000 up to, up to 10,000 based on the size of the company and, and, and all these other things. But so I guess to answer the question, it was just who was willing to listen. Obviously, like we've all heard, Oh, we've always done it this way are the most expensive words in business. So, um, though, I mean, people who are willing to engage and listen and bring people in and do their research ahead of time, obviously, so now it is what they say is 50, over 50% of the buying process takes place before any sales consultant is even invited into uh, the company. So I think that the oh, really wow. good ones were doing a lot of the research online beforehand, before ever even talking to right. any kind of consultant or anything like that. Um, yeah, they were doing their homework. But yeah, I mean, and it's incredible too, like how heavy the review community is yeah. online. So with Google, with Yelp, with that, I mean, with anything, Facebook. you know, it's, they'll it's take, huge. they'll take it, uh, They'll make business decisions off of that kind of thing before even talking to a professional in the industry about it. But, I mean, that was the biggest thing. Who was staying open-minded? Who was willing to listen? Who was aware of their weaknesses um, and willing to address them, right, and take them head on? Um, And then also who was willing to understand value and ROI? Yeah. So, I mean, you could explain something to somebody and, you know, there's all different kinds of examples for this, but... um, they they just couldn't see how investing two thousand dollars over a year would would provide huge dividends for their business in the long term, and it was just incredible how hard they hung on to things because it was what they know, right? And it, yeah. was, it goes back to like whole, um, you know, change isn't difficult. Resisting change is difficult. So I would say like if you're a new business owner or something, just always be willing to change. Yeah. And that's really the yeah. best way to sum it up. Yeah, it's funny because as you were talking, I was like writing down notes and you were kind of hitting them on the head as you were going through it. <laughs> so like one of well, the things, like I always used to say this when I was at Paychecks is yeah. just like, listen, like you own a pizza shop. You're really good at making pizza. We do payroll in HR. Let us do this. You know, because like, because yeah, I, mean, I think the biggest mistake they make in that aspect is the fact that they're looking at something, they're looking at outsourcing something like that or just anything in general as they're only focusing on it as a cost as opposed to a cost or an expense as opposed to an investment. Right. You know, and those are like two totally different things. And that comes back to your perspective on looking at it. Because like the, based on my own experience, like I've seen it where. For example, you know, like you have the business owner, whatever title they have at the company and they try to like, you know, they wear so many different hats and they try to be an expert at all these different things Yeah. when really that's just going to hurt you at the end of the day because like you're going to be working harder, working longer. You're not going to be doing as good of a job in each of those categories as you could be. So knowing where to like invest, knowing where to bring someone on, knowing where to outsource, knowing where to like develop certain team 
members and you know certain employees, whatever, is gonna help you way longer in the long run because you're making sure that everyone is doing exactly what they're supposed to do in their role and they're really good at it. You know, so like an owner should be focusing on growing the business and meeting with sales reps and trying to figure out what solutions to what problems he can get that's gonna be the most effective as opposed to just trying to do everything himself. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. I mean, that, that's it. And he doesn't even have to so much meet with sales reps or people from you know these outsourcing companies as much as keeping uh, his or her ear to the ground. Yeah. Um, and knowing, you know, like every company is a tech company or is becoming a tech company. You cannot own a business that's... without having technology involved in it. Otherwise, you're, I mean, you're, ju- you're being ignorant. I mean, that's yeah. all, <laughs> all it really comes down to. But it, it, the, I mean, the crux of it is time. Right, eight hours in a day. You know, I don't know. Maybe you're, uh, uh, let's say you're like a pizza shop or whatever, and you're open for twelve hours a day. So, you, as the owner, yeah, right. It, it depends on what your forte is. If your forte is making pizza, then the more time throughout the day that you're making pizza is probably the mo- mo- thing that you're doing that's most beneficial to the business. Exactly. So, how are we giving you more hours in the day, or how are you giving yourself more hours in the day, rather? Because I'm yeah. talking from a sales consultant perspective, it shouldn't <laughs> be, but. Um, you know, how are you giving yourself more hours in the day so that you can be making pizza because that is your strength and that is what you are good at. And that's right. So then like a customer comes in, they have your awesome pizza. So they become a loyal customer and they tell your, for their friends about it. Yeah. So like, that's, that's like the two, three, it's like chess. Like those are the two, three steps ahead that you got to be thinking, you know? And I feel like the, the mistake that most people make is they're kind of looking too close at like, you know, not like what's right under their nose, but they're not thinking ahead. Like you got to be focused on what's going on in front of you, but also be thinking two, three steps ahead as well. So it's not just about, you know, you making the pizza. It's about you putting out a really good product so that your customers are having a good experience so that they want to go and do their own word of mouth advertising for you so that they want to become a repeat customer. So that comes back into lifetime value of a customer, not just one transaction, but a lifetime of transactions. So speaking to the whole... They don't understand this. The, a lot, a lot of the business owners and new ones don't understand. The right, their short-term investment for the long-term gain. Again, Boom. so like exactly. that's, that's the long game behind that. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. exactly. And like, yeah, because uh, you know, this kind of makes me think of a quote that I heard from Tony Robbins the other day, which kind of plays into this. I'm gonna do my best to, to to connect it, but he said like, when you start a business, you should be running the business as if you're one day going to sell it. Or making sure that you're building a business that can be sellable. Yeah. I and mean, I think the point that he's making is that like it's not about having an exit strategy in case everything goes wrong. It's about playing the long game to make sure that your business, the main goal of your business is growth and is profit and is success, etc. You know, because like if you're building and then he follows up the quote with something like, because if you're not running a business that way, then you don't have a business. You just have a job. And I thought that was like a really interesting perspective to have on it you know it's about the, playing the long game like you said first just focusing on the short-term game i mean i would agree wholeheartedly i don't know why i mean i try and think about other reasons why people would start a business other than to sell it right you know pass it well down, yeah obviously pass it down to their to children exactly. or right yeah that comes back to why their main their mainstream of income or anything but yeah of course i mean there's people who go out there and, and start the businesses and sell them or build a book of business and sell that yeah um so yeah i, I would agree right it's just that. about growth Absolutely. all right so let's move into a little bit of more of the nitty-gritty um so my first question I want to ask you is what are some of the first things or basics and this is this is all going to be really open-ended so mm-hmm. feel free to like ask me what i mean sure um, what are some of the first things or basics someone needs to know when starting a business in terms of like the like paperwork side of stuff? 
Yeah, so I was actually going to say something on the last part too when they're saying, um, you know, other reasons why, like let's say this pizza shop owner that we keep, that we keep using yeah. won't outsource, right? Well, it's either, right, like the cost or it's he doesn't trust you or he doesn't trust the company. So I would say to answer your question, right, like the basics and things when you get started, find a good accountant and find a good lawyer. Okay. You don't need the lawyer. I would suggest having I would suggest having the lawyer, um, but really, I'm, I'm an avid fan of LegalZoom. A lot of CPAs will tell you to do your incorporation, whatever, uh, whichever one you're going to do on LegalZoom. You know, it's affordable, it's easy, it's online, as most things are these days. But, um, yeah. Okay, I mean, cool. as far as getting the paper, you know, paperwork set up, it, it, it all, it, it is dependent upon what type of business you're doing, what type of licenses you need, what state you're in, Got it. Uh, you know, what, <laughs> what your goals are, you know, you yeah. have to be in, you have to be in <clears throat> compliance and proactive about paperwork your entire time, you're, you're on, you know, you have your business ventures. That's a good so, point. Um, it's, it's good just to learn all, and know. It's so relative. Yeah. The, the, the question. Of course. Answer. Of course. Yeah. So like, so I guess that probably leads into the fact that like the accountant and the lawyer when you find one they'll be able to help you with all of these things yeah yeah of course and you can i mean and get i would try to get referrals for them because some accountants are going to say well we don't take on businesses who um don't do more than a million dollars in revenue a mm. year or who are newer than five years old right because like all of these accountants and lawyers and, and business partners and trusted advisors all have certain verticals and niches and things that they like some don't like to take on new clients because that's it's a good a risk point. for them right so um yeah so go online do some research ask your friends figure out you know if any of your friends have a business what lawyer what accountant and lawyer they're using etc and or go out just, and meet with these people and just try to get a consultation and kind of see what you think about them or whatever. Yeah, I mean, if you're bold enough, you can call the local competition or people who, what do you do or whatever online like this. People are doing what you're doing and say, ask them who they use. Um, and then, yeah, it's almost <coughs> like an interview process. I mean, because you're technically hiring them right. to be an extension of your business and help keep you compliant and help mitigate fees and penalties which by the way you will pay don't think that you're <laughs> you're a business that is just going to be perfect and is never gonna you know slip up uh yeah payroll betty is not going to forget to file a 941 you know <laughs> at the month after the end of a quarter quarterly it's, yeah. it's going to happen yeah right <clears throat> another yeah anyways mm -hmm. so so like what uh say someone found someone they are uh an entrepreneur found the lawyer, or the accountant, and they're mm -hmm. sitting down for their first meeting. What open ended in general? What questions should they be asking them? Oh, I would ta I would start asking them questions that were relative to your business and you were trying to start. So, how many other companies are you start that are one year old or in their first year of business and are doing what I'm doing? And are they profitable? Are they not? Ask the same questions as you would a, a you know a consultant, a third party consultant to try and gauge their success and see what they know about what you're trying to do. Ah, that's a great Obviously point. get their fees, um, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So is a business license a thing? I'm, I, a business license? Yeah. Do you need a business license? Is that even yeah, a Yeah. You need a business license in California to do business among, among other things. Okay. Yeah. Is that something that an accountant or a lawyer would help you out with? Yeah, of course. Okay, cool. Yep. All right. Um, explain a DBA to people. Well, a DBA is just doing business as. So you can do business. You know, once you're incorporated or you're, you set up your entity in whatever way that you want, you can always have the DBA. Mm -hmm. So let's say that I have an S Corp and it's ABC Corp Inc. 
for whatever purposes. I could do the DBA as Tyler's shop. Right. The DBA is just doing business as, and whatever entity you're set up as, you can you can alter right. uh, your DBA. <clears throat> so a DBA is different in an entity in which way? Like the entity is the company, the DBA DB. is just the name that you're paying for, yeah, basically? Yeah, doing business as. Yeah. yeah. Right, and this all this all comes down to like you know your filings and your taxes and all that, right? That's why all this stuff is that's where it's mostly yeah. Used so for. right, so how the government identifies. So basically, you. right. So I would say that if you're a single person business, it's just yourself. You have nobody else on payroll. You should be filing as a sole prop. You should have your entity set up as a sole prop. Now, as soon as you have an employee, it doesn't mean that you're going to put them on the payroll. A lot of people have multiple employees that they don't put on payroll and they stay as a sole prop because they think it's less expensive. But what they're not realizing is, is if they're making, let's say, $50,000 because it's an easy number to work with, if they're set up as an S-Corp, for $50,000, you, they, they're able to save $7,500 on FICA tax. Um, because they funnel it through what's called distribution. And so if you're making uh, you know, $100,000 a year with your business and you're set up as an S-Corp and you're paying yourself what the IRS calls a reasonable salary, so we'll call it 50000 you have the other 50000 left over and that you can funnel through distribution and you don't have to pay FICA tax, which is made up of Social Security and Medicare. And how the percentages are, are for 50000 it would be like 7500 right. would be the tax savings. So <clears throat> that's the whole thing. Um, uh, like a single, a single S-Corp, that's just like an LLC for a single person. So if you wanted to set up an, uh, as an S-Corp and it's just yourself, you're an LLC. Right. But, um, you know, there's thing, there's like C-Corps and things like that when you become larger that has to do with like a stock division, even if it's a oh, okay. held company. It doesn't have to be public for you to, to be in uh, a C-Corp with stock. Gotcha. Because before that. these companies go public, like they will create stock and yeah. divide it up among like owners yeah. or people who are half in the company. So like when and if the business is sold or sold off, that's how they determine the, the percentages through the shares that, that these people have and get. Gotcha. Yeah. But so if you're, you know, I would say if you're, a, if you're just yourself and you don't have anybody else helping you out, it's just you do a sole prop. If you start to make more than 25000 I would consider. In a year? Yeah. Right. I would consider making yourself into an escort. And then, right, obviously doing the, the funneling it through distribution once you're paying yourself a reasonable salary. But you have to be making enough to, to be able to do that split. So that's kind of where, gotcha. you, where you figure out what the, what the trade-off is. But, I mean, what, you definitely don't want to misclassify your employees. And yeah. Like, this is a 1099 when they're actually a W-2 because they'll, I mean, they'll whack you for that shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, big time. Yeah, and those, those, those penalties are no joke, especially no. to a small business yeah, you, just starting off. If yeah. you can avoid, because those are things that are easily avoidable if you do your homework and you're like doing these things that you're saying. And like at Paychex, I talk to business owners all the freaking time who like, yeah. you know, you know what's funny? The, the common theme that I noticed amongst people who like would be complaining or bitching about right. these penalties and stuff is that like it wasn't their fault. You know what I mean? You're a business owner. Yeah, I mean... Everything that happens with your business is your fault. That's right. That's just like accountability. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Like, that's like their personal you know, yeah. trait or lack thereof. But, um, yeah, I mean, just it, like, for example, if you'd misclassified a W-2 employee as a 1099, it's 25 grand. Jeez. Right? <laughs> so, like, you think about you're starting up your business and you've got three employees, you get whacked with a $25,000 penalty. It's like... 
Yeah. yeah. When you're new, that like, you're like, going to what, what business? Close down. Yeah, close down right. shop. And so <laughs> it's so you have to be careful. I mean, you have to be careful about how you do it, and you want to grow the right way, and that's why people outsource and set up their entities in certain ways so that they're not liable, right? Like limited liability company. Right? Yes. Right? They can't come after your personal assets. That was the next question. So, is about liability. Um, you know that's and that's why it's so important to hire a third party consultant or a lawyer or a CPA you know and it's it's you don't have to hire them from month to month you get can help. Hire them quarterly to for to do certain things for you on an annual basis you know they yeah. a good one should you should be able to call up and ask them questions without them docking you for a half an hour an hour oh, or whatever geez. yeah it that's, might be that's a very good point um, but that's why again it's so important to have your ear to the ground continue to educate yourself like it's it's an always right yeah. it's like doesn't go this away. It's an ongoing thing. Yes. Regardless this is what of you how do successful your business is. <laughs> yeah, it's part of being a business owner. So exactly. Or so uh, would you explain liability a little bit? So specifically, like, just to give an example to it, like the difference between a sole prop and an S-corp? Well, yeah, as a sole prop, you're, you're just, I mean, really simply put, like, as a sole prop, you... <laughs> If, if right if you're penalized or or there's fees that you're incurring and you can't pay them or there's like right you did something like misclassify an employee or something of that nature they can come after you your personal finances yeah they come after you as a as a as a sole proprietor versus right. a LLC or an S corp which there's they can only come after the business assets yeah right yeah so that which is probably very limited compared to your personal assets especially if you're a new business so like yeah you're probably leasing your space if you're already not working from home i mean you might it's you know what are you writing off maybe your computer maybe you know it it is also dependent upon on what you're doing yeah so the the situation i mean the the conversation changes in in right 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 right. in terms of in terms of what the business owner is is pursuing yeah Got it. So, uh, real quick, what would you would you explain the difference between a W two employee and a ten ninety nine? Yeah, I mean, a W two employee is somebody who shows up to the the same location to do the consistent job um, for an extended period of time, right? And you are responsible for remitting those taxes to the federal, state, and local governments. And as a ten ninety nine or a contractor, as they call them, right? Like you don't have to provide workers comp on that person. That person pays their own taxes. They may be going to multiple job sites and doing multiple things for a short amount of time, project-based, right? So the difference is that, right, you're not having to pay tax and workers comp on a 1099. It's really, oh, you know, shit, I'm going to do and bring this 1099 in because it's way cheaper for me to house. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's, it's the what if you could get caught and be penalized. And that's the whole thing though, too. I mean, you're a brand new business, You've got a couple employees. You're really not. I would say you're really not on anyone's radar. Yeah. IRS and everything is not going after you. But I mean, dude, they have people in the field. They come. They they they. You know, it's I've I went out rarely. I think after four years, I met like one or two business owners who were like, yeah, they were in here like the last week, and we didn't have. And it's not always it's not always people from the federal and state government, but people with like you know compliance stuff and OSHA shit. Oh, interesting. And they'll be like, oh, you didn't have your labor posters up, or yeah. what are your employees classified as? Can you prove it? What are their, you know, uh, what were their TINs, their socials, and things like that? Yeah. And so you just want to make sure that you have all of that stuff in place, which is, I mean, why I would encourage people now to to be as intangible as possible, virtualize their business, and and right not have brick and mortar locations and things of like unless you absolutely need it. Yeah. But um. Yeah. Yeah. To answer. Well, this is the right group for that because you know it's called the digital era. Most of these people are just working online. Most of these businesses, at least from what I've seen in the group, most of the businesses are online and 
yeah so yeah well which so with like the people that are listening to this i think the biggest challenge for them is not going to be how do i get set up who do i need as a trusted advisor it's going to be growing and scaling their yeah exactly yeah that's a whole another conversation but yeah that's a very good point but um i think that's why it comes back to like you know getting help from experts you know Mm -hmm. and going around and calling people and meeting accountants and doing this and talking to your friends and figuring out what I, like that's such a good that's a good way to delegate you know your time and energy into the right ways so that you can be getting the best information to make the best decisions right I mean it just awesome. goes into you could just and just quantify it too like let's use the pizza example how many pizzas did I make today well a month ago, I was making 100 pizzas a day, you know, a day, and now I'm making 20 pizzas a day. So what have I been using my time for? And you know, what, like, what's going on? What has shifted me away from my main purpose of you know, making these pizzas? Or if I'm doing a podcast, how many podcasts did I do this week? Why? What did I spend my time doing you know, this week versus last week? And I was able to make 10 more podcasts or whatever yeah. episodes last week. So, you know. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go back to taxes real quick. So just sure. overall overarching in general, what are some of the different taxes that people are going to have to pay throughout a year as a business? It depends on if you're making money or not. So mm. why well, am like 941s? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, okay. So there are so many different, ta- I mean, there's dozens, there's dozens oh, really? of different taxes, which is why you would outsource that kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, it's so, yeah, I mean, for example, like a quarterly return is a nine forty one, um, and then there. I mean, there's so there's uh, you have to remit li- like liability taxes depending on how much taxable uh, liability you're having within a month. It could be on a semi weekly basis. It could be a monthly basis. There's quarterly fines. There's annual fines. Payroll taxes. There's uh, that are right not FICA, right, there's payroll out. not payroll. There's, you know, corporation taxes that are due at different times and personal taxes. I mean, that's why either you make the, <laughs> you make the investment with QuickBooks or an online accounting software and you take the time to do that yourself, right? And have limited liability in that, or you outsource it with a company like a Paychex or an ADP or, or something of that nature. And you have somebody else take it over. So, right, that you're not at fault if something is missed. That's and huge. And so that you're filing all those things properly and at the right time and you're not forgetting or missing anything yes i can tell you right now if you have if you're outsourcing like payroll and and taxes and hr and also you have a cpa you're not gonna there's never you're never gonna miss anything that's gonna be your fault yeah rarely unless you are just like you know (laughs) like not on this planet yeah it's just not gonna happen yeah exactly what are some uh, tax write-offs that people can do as a small business i mean obviously it depends but just like in general as well it just depends on if you're using it for business or not so if you're using it for your business you can write it off um, if it's an expense for you in order to do business you can write it off on your taxes if it's associated with your business if you're having a if you're having a lunch meeting and you're talking about business i mean that's like one that people are like real loose with and there's like yeah. yeah we talked about business for 10 minutes at this lunch and so i'm going to write the, this this lunch off and right so when you write something off it's lowering your taxable income so it's right. making it look like you made less money so that you're getting taxed Less, just for anybody who yes who didn't understand or doesn't understand the concept. So, yes. um, can you write off payroll? No, you can't write. You cannot write off payroll because you're already paying taxes on payroll. That's why that makes sense. Right. You can't write off payroll. So, um, what I had something else that I was going to add on to your. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, I would just I would encourage people to uh, like donate, right, to causes because you can write oh, off really? you can write off donations. Yeah. 
absolutely personally and professionally oh. give back. So yeah, I've noticed you've been I doing mean, that just, actually. Just, in your yeah, personal well, life just more. go, just go on. Well, that's just volunteering, but don't. Yeah, but I just meant that. Uh, yeah. So anything that helps lower your taxable income is definitely a good thing. Buying a home. Yep. Right. Yep. Exactly. All right. Awesome. Um, man, we just went over a lot. Let's see. I kind of want to wrap it up. So yeah. Let's do this. Let's go a little open-ended again. And again, this is specific to you and your subjective opinion. Um, based on everything and the experience that you've had, talking to all these business owners over your career, etc. Yeah. What's one piece of advice that you would leave everyone with who's trying to start a business? Begin with the end in mind. So like we talked about is your goal. What is the goal, the ultimate goal to, of this business? And then when you hit that goal, you need to make sure that you have other goals because when these people, these elite athletes become the best in the world at something, what happens? Simon Sinek talks about this. They achieve their goal and depression immediately hits. Wow. So you need to have, you need that. to begin with the end in mind. You need to have right multiple goals to achieve over, you know, short, like a one year, a five year and a 10 year, something like yeah. that. Um, it's, it's anything, it's going to take a long time. Yes. Right? I mean, you could be an overnight success and build some app or, or something, but yeah. for the vast, the 99% of everybody else, it's just not going to happen. So you need to be persistent. You need to have determination. You need to be able to trust the people internally and externally to your organization. You need to be, keep your ear to the ground and understand what's going on with the economy, with your industry specifically. Um, you need to be willing to change. You need to be willing to listen. You need to be understanding of... Uh, value props and ROIs and willing to say, yeah, I'm going to spend this amount of money up front so that I can have this in the long term. Um, liability, liability, liability. Yep. Right. Understand that and understand what you are and are not liable for, especially when outsourcing different things. But I think that for a lot of people who are starting their own business, they also have a day job. And so I think, right, if you're beginning with the end in mind, you should say, well, this is the amount of time on a weekly basis that I can devote to doing this job. And I want to have the option to walk away from my day job, right? Yeah. So just keep that in mind. So I, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't need to this again, it doesn't have to happen overnight or anything, but I need to do this. So eventually, whether it's two, three, four, five, 10, 20 years from now, I have the option to walk away. You see that right. with a lot of people in real estate. Yeah, exactly. Consistently buy more and more properties, they rent them out, and then it's, you know, they, that's the retirement. You know, they retire, walk away from their job, and then they sell off properties that they bought 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, <clears throat> putting it simply, like, do your homework, be open minded, be patient, have a milestone plan or an overall plan. Yep. Um, and that comes back to something important that I've been actually thinking a lot about recently is like, being focused on incremental growth. So this is actually something from Jordan Peterson where he's sure. talking about aim high but swing low. Okay. So what he's talking about is like have your North Star, have your overall plan, right? Know what your goals are, where you're trying to shoot. But when you're taking punches, when you're swinging, yeah. you know, and you're attacking or doing whatever, if you go to the gym and you're trying to get fit and you haven't worked out in a year and you get under a, you know, a bench press and you try to, you try to bench press 300 pounds, right. you're gonna break your neck. Right. You know? Yeah. So if you, it's about incremental growth. It's about having a plan so that you can take these baby steps forward, etc. And then that kind of is correlated, in my opinion, to like delegating your time and effort intelligently. You know, like getting help from an accountant when you need help. Hiring someone who's really good at X because you need to be focused on Y, etc. 
Yeah, I mean, you the, the preparation and plan. You need to write a business plan. Yeah. Right. If you're gonna go and you need to take money out, you're, the the bank is gonna likely ask you for a business plan <laughs> yeah. if you want to get an uh, an SBA loan, a small business loan at a bank, which is fine. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say never take out a loan for your business, especially if you're serious about it, and if you have a well thought out and written business plan. So maybe that's something to add. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, into there too. Um, but yeah, I think in, in right because everybody just. Oh, I got to get to here. I got to get to here. I got to get to here. Yes. Track your progress and make, you know, celebrate your small successes or wins, right? Yes. As a business owner, because again, it's the long term. It's your, your psyche and morale. You're probably, you're probably going to be your own worst enemy, especially, in the, <laughs> yeah. especially in the beginning years. And yeah. it's normal. And I would think that you probably exactly. should part of the be, process, you know, of course, there's going to always be people who want you to not succeed and want you to fail and everything like that. And those are just people that you just cut ties in my opinion you know you cut I, ties yeah, with them exactly it doesn't matter yeah, being surrounded <laughs> it doesn't by matter what anybody influences. thinks yeah so um yeah so i mean that's i mean i think that's putting a nice bow on it yeah as far as the conversation goes yeah but. so like being a being aware of what you need to be focused on and like what you need to avoid i think is something that's really key too because you're like you're like mitigating you're mitigating the chance of like, you know, damaging yourself or damaging even like your mindset and your motivation, yeah. et cetera. Like know that this is going to be a really tough road and it's not something that you really have like, you know, like you have an end in sight, but know that that's going to be a lifelong thing. It's su- That's such a good point too, because I'd, I'd like to say that the businesses that I liked working with the most mm. were the most humble. They were the most vulnerable. They were the most forthcoming and upfront and open and honest, whether about they had cash flow issues, they had uh, former HR violations or penalties, um, tax penalties, things like, like you don't want to be right. Like I need to grow and scale my business or something like that, or I need to get this customer and you don't want to come to the table and be reserved or you don't want to, you know, lead on or make it seem like you're bigger or better than you actually are. You just want to be completely honest and be genuine with them. Yeah, exactly. One, because right. People like that. And two, because they're going to want to help you. Yes. Right. And they're going to understand. They're not going to assume that you're some highly profitable, highly experienced business when you're not. Oh man, you know, to get this business, maybe I really do need to give a big discount and help this person out so that they can grow and refer me more business, et cetera, et cetera. And so a good, you know, yeah, building those relationships. Yeah. I think that's a really important thing that a lot of the guys, a lot of the entrepreneur guys that I listen to, they talk about this a lot. And it kind of comes back to like your ability to be able to speak and present and listen are a huge thing. And these all come down to your ability to like present ideas correctly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, be an influential person, you know, and that comes along with like, you know, being honest and vulnerable and et cetera and stuff like that. And those are all things that are going to help you be able to develop positive, mutually beneficial relationships. And that's like a key skill to have in life in general, but specifically to business. Would you agree? Yeah, of course. I think it's like absolutely bring your, essential. Bring your wall down if you don't need to have it up. Exactly. It's the easiest way to let, you know, it's to let other people in is, yeah. is if you don't have your wall up and you're not, you know, I get it. Your business is your livelihood and you care about it. And yeah, but you, you, there are people out there that will care as well. Yeah, exactly. Maybe not to the degree that you care and they probably shouldn't because nobody cares as much about you or your business as you do, yep. obviously. Yep. Um, if they do, then yeah. you're doing something wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, th- this, I feel like cannot be like summed up, but it, you know, they all tether back to like, just lose the ego, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, you got to lose it, the I ego. I say it all the time. It's it, the worst people that, uh, you deal with in business or in life have, 
uh, high ego and low self-awareness. Oh, I love and I that. I would say that the other thing to keep in mind is when you're um, considering working with people or hiring people into your business, think about um, the drama equation, as, as we call it at, at the company I work for, but somebody's current potential, their future potential, and then their emotional uh, expense time, oh, yeah. times three. So people who are emotionally expensive are not worth being a part. What of. do you mean by that? What does emotionally expensive mean? Oh, are, <laughs> I mean, it is just, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like porn. Like, you know it when you see it, yeah. you experience it. Um, but people who are right, just it's, it's outward, it's negativity, it's yes. complaining, even if they're a high, this is what so happens in, in organizations, people who are high producers or who are very good at their job, right? And they have good current potential and they even might have, you know, uh, consistent or great future potential are highly emotionally expensive and it drains on the organization, on the team, on the, and everybody. Exactly. Right? They're not worth it. Right. So being emotionally inexpensive is pretty much what they're considering now to be the biggest asset that you can bring to a company. That's such a good point. Yeah. Because yeah, so that, go yeah. ahead. No, no, you're fine. I was just going to say that makes me think of like, so say you have a top producer at the company, right? And he's yeah. an, he's a dick and Which no one likes working with him. Met, right. So. I, everyone's had that guy, right. right. You know, but they're, they're still good at what they do and like the CEO or the boss or the owner might look at that person and say well I can't get rid of him because he's producing so much but this is what you need to think about maybe that person is causing Sally Jacob Ryan and Adam to all do really bad so even if they if he was gone and those four people were doing better they might be able to be bringing in more revenue and more production than what's his face the dickhole could do on his own you know what I mean so like that's the way I look at it in terms of like having like looking deeper into these sort of things instead of just surface level. Right. I mean, and that's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly it. I also don't always encourage people to go into their, uh, into business with their family. Mm. Um, I, I've seen it work successfully. Um, but more times have you seen family, it not work? Family gives counsel. They don't give advice. They'll tell you, they'll encourage you and tell you what you want to hear. But like, like talk about Jordan Peterson, what he says, right? Um, to be able to think you need to risk being offensive and like yes. so many I would it would be amazing <laughs> it would be amazing I'd be out there you know after I got you know good yeah. at the job and at, at consulting and meeting with these people how they would respond when I would tell them something that they didn't want to hear you know and it, it <laughs> hey, would, you're willing to challenge it wouldn't yeah well challenge your sale challenge your customer all those sales books are great but like it just naturally like you get yeah. to that point where you're just like you know, you might not be the expert in this and maybe this is why you're having this problem and I'm not going to tell you what to do, but this is probably what you should do. Yeah. <laughs> and this is why this is happening yes. because I've, you have your one business. I've seen thousands. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. I've done this dance. This is not That's my not first a small rodeo. Detail. You, you may want to hear this out, right? Yeah. Kind of thing. Which <laughs> again, just goes back to all of that. Yeah, so lose I think, the ego. Be open-minded. You yeah. know, make your own decision at the end of the day, but there's nothing wrong with you going for help, for example, from like, you know, meeting someone, having that type of conversation, and then immediately calling your accountant and talking about the conversation you just had and be like, what do you think? Yeah. You know, but it comes down to like, you got to trust your gut, etc. But only if you're really doing your homework, you're educating yourself, you're making sure you're thinking not as your subjective self, yeah. but about what is the best decision for the business 
not for my ego, my feelings, Sally's feelings, right. et cetera. Well, and it's funny. You talk about like making these relationships with other people like within your business. It's, it's, it's amazing. Just like you can tell a lot about some of those people when you do challenge them or ask them if mm. you're aligned. I would pay, How do they I'd deal pay with close adversity? attention to that when you are coming at them, not accosting them, not aggressively, but saying, well, you know, let me challenge you on that. Or maybe I don't agree with that. Or what about this? And are yes. we aligned on this? And if they get defensive and they retreat into whatever, yeah. um, well, I pro- think that's probably not the kind of person that you want to do exactly. business with. Exactly. Right. So, right. It's more like finding people who are like-minded and are able to, right, look at things objectively versus subjectively. It's my favorite. Remove their, <laughs> remove their emotions. Yes. Um, especially in business and with decisions. Yes. Um, Gary talks about that a lot which, specifically. Well, because, He's like, I don't make business decisions based on my emotions. Well, you have poor payroll Betty over here. She's 70. If we don't pay her $50,000 yeah. a year to do our payroll, well, what's she going to do? Sorry, Betty. Who cares, dude? <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Yeah. What she do- I mean... You really uh, you care that much? Go over to her house on the weekends and help her get groceries or something like that. She shouldn't be costing your business forty thousand dollars. That's a fantastic example. You like just I don't. You care about the person? Good. You should. Well, that's to be discussed. But like you know, if you if you care about her as a person, you know, but she's costing you in your business. Go over and like you know help her out with her groceries, like you said, for example, as opposed to keeping her around because she's costing you $6,000 a month. I don't get it. I never did. I, I never <laughs> will. I don't know what I mean. And I don't think it's every business owner, but I would say definitely it's increasing mm. for people who are letting their emotion interesting uh, dictate decisions that at the end of the day, businesses were created to generate money and profit and stimulate the economy and give back to it. And so you're doing yourself and your company a huge disservice if you're not constantly looking at increasing operating efficiency yes. the bottom line like oh well, this, you know things have been going pretty good and that's the other thing too when people start to be successful Com- they get complacent and it's like well oh we're doing good why would we need to do it's like that's it's exactly broke, that don't is, fix it that's exactly when you when you're doing good is when you need to be challenging yourself yes. and you need to be saying what <laughs> else could be improved upon here what that's do we not know point. So, and that's, and that's, again, well, then you go back into bringing other people into your organization. Yeah. It goes around and around and around and around and around. Yeah. You know what that makes me think of is, uh, like when I was at Paychex, the thing that I heard on the phone all the time that I absolutely despised, and it almost got to the point where like when I was a year and a half deep into it, I was just like, I don't, I'm not even going to talk to this person anymore because Mm -hmm. even though like I could get into the conversation, I just know they're already not in the right mindset and I don't want to even deal with that person for my own uh, you know, professional reasons. Right. And it was like, don't broke, don't fix it. I hated that. And uh, my buddy Eric actually was the one who told me this. And this is like a great response. He used to always say, yeah, but my flip phone wasn't broken when I got a smartphone. And it's like, how much more educated am I with my smartphone? How much more efficient am I, etc. I mean, and that's just a great little micro analogy for that whole mindset. Yeah, I mean, we're off the rails a little bit with this conversation. We, we're, yeah. we're, definitely, we're definitely getting into sales and, and <laughs> yeah. consulting and tactics and different things around yeah. that, but that's just in a short, I mean, that's- I think it's all connected though. That's why I think it's, it's that important, you know? It, I mean, sales is a skill that you should have as a business owner. Obviously, you're selling yourself and your business every day, but like- yes. To that point, what he's doing there is telling the story, and the story-based selling is about just accessing people's limbic systems. So just in short, like versus going out to somebody presenting a traditional way and talking about facts, figures, frequencies, numbers, things of that nature, if you tell them stories, 
you're accessing their limbic system, which is responsible for making um, decisions in their brain, and it's also the same part of the brain that is involved with storytelling. Yeah. So, like, you tell a story, and you provide good detail, and you tell it with energy. People, it's They'll they respond. remember it, they understand it, and then you're also access. There, you're also talking to the decision-making part mm-hmm. of their brain, and so there was. Simon Sinek talked about that. I, the guy came in, Jeff Bloomfield, and, and we, I did a course on it. So it was it was very interesting and very helpful, and it worked. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah. Um, something that I've been thinking about a lot recently that I think is really key is uh, I actually said this in one of my other podcasts um, a couple of weeks ago or so. It was just like if you're someone who was like looking to start a business, etc., whatever, or and and you're also looking to like grow as a person and just become like a better version of who you are. Mm-hmm you know, and like realize your own full potential, those two things are completely correlated. You know, like they're completely tethered. Like, you know, as you are growing as a person, you need to apply those same concepts to the businesses, the business decisions that you're making, you know, as a whole for the company in terms of growth. Would you agree? Oh yeah, you should be uncomfortable in both situations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So the last thing, uh, uh, this is an awesome conversation. We did kind of go off the rails in terms of like, you know, I wanted to, um, I mean, we covered everything that I really wanted to cover it and then some, which I think is fine. I got no problem with it, honestly. I thought this was, like, packed with values, so this is a fantastic conversation. <laughs> Good, <I'm glad. laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people will agree, so I'm care- I'll let you know what the response is. Sure. But um, last thing that I want to put a bow on this with is uh, what's one question you'd like my audience to think about? <laughs> And I purposely, any, I purposely did not tell you this beforehand because I what wanted. What is one question that they like, should be I asking ask, themselves? Oh, they should be asking themselves. Yeah. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. What What is meaningful to you in your life? Not what will make you happy. Not what will make you rich. What is what is meaningful? What do you care about? What it is? What is it that you want to do, or accomplish? Not that will bring you happiness. Not that will bring you money. But that is, like, meaningful. Yeah, it'll help you sleep at night and give you fulfillment in your life. Yeah, I mean, because I think those are the things that are worth pursuing. Yeah, and what's what I've always found ironic. I agree with you one hundred percent. What I've what I've found that is ironic is the fact that when you chase like fulfillment and having a mean meaningful life. Typically, the other things that you want that will bring you happiness and success are a result of that. Oh, I would think. You know? Yeah. It's like the lobster doesn't get bigger unless he, like, outgrows his shell and then has to break through the shell. Now he's just, like, this soft, vulnerable lobster out there with no shell. Right. But then he gets bigger, and then the shell grows, and now he's a bigger, but more badass lobster. Right. You know? Like, you're going to have to be vulnerable. You're going to have to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to challenge yourself. You're going to have to challenge other people. You're going to have to be assertive, etc. So... Yep. Yeah, awesome. All right, dude. Thanks so much. This was a fucking fantastic conversation, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. Glad to be on. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. I'll bring you on again, dude. Awesome. What's going on, guys? Spencer here. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Reach out to me on social media. Tell me what you think. I want your feedback. Give me questions. Give me topics you'd like me to discuss. On Facebook, it's Spencer McSane. Instagram, at Spencer McSane. Twitter, McBain585. That's M-C-B-A-N-E-585. Thanks for listening.